I said it before and I'll say it again. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. Welcome to Sailing in the Mediterranean and Beyond podcast. I'm your host. My name is Franz. Well, I haven't done a monologue for quite a while. I've been doing a lot of interview shows, and today I decided I was going to share with you the process that I use when I'm starting to lay out a summer schedule. It's uh, February, and I'm realizing that I better get my act together and start planning out my summer sailing schedule and deciding who I'm going to invite to go sailing and uh, arrange the pickup and drop-off locations. And it's a lot of planning. It's not something that just happens spontaneously. You have to sit down and think about what your objectives are, where you want to go, and probably a couple different alternatives. So I'm going to share with you my process. And, And while I'm doing this podcast, I'm actually in the process of laying out my summer sale schedule. So I will pause during this podcast, work on my schedule for a while, and then come back and talk about what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. And before we do that, I want to thank Sailrite for sponsoring this podcast. This show is sponsored in part by Sailrite. Since 1969, Sailrite has been equipping self-sufficient sailors with the tools, supplies, and knowledge they need to sew for their boats. This second generation family business is also the maker of the Sailrite Ultrafeed sewing machine. The Ultrafeed is a portable heavy duty sewing machine that was designed to handle all your marine sewing projects from covers to sails. At Sailrite you'll find everything you need to take on your next do-it-yourself project including fabric, tools, hardware, and even hundreds of free how-to video tutorials. Start your next project at sailrite.com. That's S-A-I-L-R-I-T-E dot com. And just as a postscript to this, I own the Sailrite Ultrafeed LSZ-1. And it's a fantastic machine. And if you want to start sewing canvas or sailcloth, you probably need this tool. So go check out sailrite.com. Yeah, actually, I'm um, in the process of rebuilding some webbing straps that I have for my boat. I attach my snatch blocks on my boat with a strap, a webbing strap that wraps around the bulwarks and just connects to itself. And then I have snatch blocks that are the fair leads for the jib and also for the uh, for the drifter when I run the drifter. And those straps uh, are really handy. And I decided I wanted to make some more of them. So this is that heavy tubing that I will be sewing together with my new Sailrite machine and it just <laughs> it just goes through four layers of heavy duty nylon webbing without really any trouble at all. It's a great machine. If you have a chance, pick yourself up one and also check out their website. I want to encourage you that you might consider supporting me on Patreon. I've had a f- I've had three people so far that have supported me on Patreon. I'd like to get a lot more. You can show your support for this podcast by supporting me on Patreon. So consider doing that. My Patreon page is patreon.com backslash medsailor, M-E-D-S-A-I-L-O-R. So think about it. 
I would really appreciate it if you would go to the Patreon site, look at the rewards I've outlined and see if there's any of those rewards that you would feel comfortable using to support the show with. All right. So let's get into this process that I use when I'm laying out a a summer sailing schedule. First of all, you have the time to travel back and forth between where I live in the western United States and where my boat is, which is in Turkey. And no matter what I do, I'm, I'm going to basically lose a day when I fly over. I will usually leave in the morning and arrive around noon the following day. So it's a long flight and <laughs> not really much use at that point in time. So I've learned not to really try to get into it very seriously that first day I arrive. I'm fighting jet lag. I will just go straight to a hotel and spend the night. And then the next day I'll fly from, in this case, Istanbul down to Bodrum, Turkey, and then start the process. So I want to sort of backtrack and decide, okay, what day do I want to arrive in Bodrum on so that I can start getting things accomplished on the boat that I need to get done? Now, this year I have new sails that are going to be delivered to the boat. I have to arrange to have those sails paid for before I arrive because they won't deliver them to the boat before, before they're paid for. In addition to that, I need to have my forward hatch rebuilt. It served me for 20 years, but the wood is, is worn out on it. It needs to be replaced. If I had my workshop, I would do it myself, but I don't have my workshop at the boatyard, so I have to pay somebody to do the work. Well, fortunately, I've had a a great experience with a woodworker in Bodrum, so I know exactly who I'm going to go to to have this work done because I know he's efficient, fair, and reasonable. And in fact, before I left the boat, I had him come over and give me an estimate on how much it was going to cost to replace the cheeks on my rudder, which again, are the same age. They just, they're holding up fine, but it just, they just don't look good anymore. There's no rot in them, but I decided the ash cheeks on my rudder need to be replaced along with the forward hatch being rebuilt along with some other little miscellaneous odds and ends. And that's going to take a little while. It's going to take him about, uh, probably about a week to do it. And, and he may be efficient and get all the work done in a day or two, but you can't force the setting up of glue. And all these are going to require glue and caulking. And so he may be able to rebuild the forward hatch in a day, but the glue will not set in a day. The glue is going to take three or four days to set. So I'm going to plan on at least five business days and probably six business days where I will be at the boatyard. I will get him working on the project. And if there's other things for me to do on the boat in the meantime, I will do that. There's always things to do, like I need to clean off the boat, get all the sails up on deck, clean it off, make it ship shape. Because when I leave the boat, everything goes below. The uh, sails are down below, the dinghy's down below, the wind vane, which I use all the time, is down below. Just, just taken off the backstay and put down below. So it's going to take me really about a day, about a day, really, to get all this put back together. And if I have somebody there helping me, it goes fairly fast just because it's so much easier. 
So the, I, I have to give myself about a day to put the boat in shape, wash it off, clean it off, take off the full cover, because when I leave the boat, I have a full cover that I put over the boat, which has really been beneficial in preserving the woodwork on the boat over these 20, 25 years that the boat has been in the in the water. So I will be taking off the cover, rolling it up, storing it in the lazarette, cleaning it off, bringing up the dinghy. I won't inflate the dinghy at this point in time. I'll just leave it rolled up on the forward deck, but wash off the deck, fill up the uh, shower pumps, the shower tanks that sit on the deck, which are basically just insect sprayers that I use as, as my spritzing off shower, and get everything ready. But once I put the boat in the water, now I know I have a specific amount of time. And this year, I don't know exactly where I'm going to end up. So I'm going to give myself several options where I may leave the boat. So one of those options is I will come back to Bodrum and winter the boat in Bodrum for another winter. And I have mixed thoughts about that. On the plus side is it's in Turkey and not part of the EU, so I don't have to worry about my 18-month limitation on having my boat in EU waters. So anytime I leave Turkey, that 18-month time frame starts as long as I'm in EU waters. So once I enter Greece, that time clock starts. The disadvantage is I'm, I'm a little nervous about the political stability of Turkey right now. Erdogan wants to set himself up basically as um, president for life. And while I have absolutely no problem with the Turk people, I'm not sure if I'm comfortable with the direction the government's going. So I'm not sure if I want to leave my boat in Turkey for another winter or if I want to get it out of Turkish waters. So I'm going to give myself a couple options. I know I will not leave the boat in Greece unless they've changed the rules, and I have found no indication that they have changed the rules. The, my experience in Greece was I left my boat at Cleopatra Marina over by Previsa on the west coast of Greece one winter, wintered it there, and when I put the boat back in the water, it was a headache to reinstate my cruising permit, but the marina manager came over and, and basically walked it through the bureaucratic process of of Greece to, to get my cruising permit back again, which was fine. And then I'm sailing along, and then as I'm clearing out to go to Turkey, and this was the first time I'd been to Turkey, lo and behold, uh, when I was clearing out at the port of Kosh, and that's spelled K-A-S, that's the island of Kos, uh, they decided that since I'd been in the country for more than six months that there was a tax, a tax that I'd never heard about. And so I ended up paying, as I recall, it was around 600 euros in additional taxes just to get the hell out of Greece. And I'd never heard of this tax beforehand. And I, I, you know, I'd read the cruising forums. Nobody had ever talked about this. So I wrote an article for one of the cruising forums and pointed out this tax. So uh, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. It's My boat's not going to winter in Greece. So Greece is out of the question for me. So otherwise, I would probably consider taking it back to Cleopatra Marina and wintering it in Cleopatra Marina. But I don't know what taxes are going to be coming down the Greek pipeline, because we don't even know if Greece is going to be part of the EU in six months or a year. Who knows? 
as far as I'm concerned, the sooner they leave the EU, the better off Greece is going to be because every dime they make is just funneled right straight through to their creditors, which is primarily Germany. And until they default on that, they're going to be basically slaves. So, you know, and I think the people that loaned the money were the fools, quite honestly. But that's a political opinion that I'll share with you. All right. So Greece is out of the question as far as wondering the boat. So my options so far are coming back to Turkey or going somewhere else. Now, where else could I go? Well, I've talked to Jack Andrews quite a bit, and I've talked to other people. Marina Ragusa in southern Sicily might be a possibility if they have hard standing space. And I've looked at them, and they do have some hard standing space, but I haven't been able to get a quote on wintering the boat on the hard in Marina Ragusa. Now, Marina Ragusa apparently is a great marina if you want to be a liveaboard because there's a tight community there. There's a lot of other boats that are, that are wintering there. There's a real community there. But I'm not part of that community, and I won't be part of that community because I put my boat up, and then I come home and go back to my regular life. So that might be a possibility. Another possibility might be taking it up to Dubrovnik or one of the wintering spots in Croatia and wintering it there. I'm considering that. There's really no wintering spots in Albania, and I wouldn't feel comfortable in Albania. There are some good wintering spots in the far northern part of Italy, but that may, might be farther than I really want to go uh, in my two-month time frame, which will actually not be two months. It'll basically be about seven weeks, six or seven weeks by the time I put the boat in the water and then take the boat back out of the water and get everything done at the end of the season. So... One other possibility would be going over to Gaeta, Italy. The problem with Gaeta, Italy is it's probably double the cost of what I'm paying right now to be on the hard, and maybe even more than double. I think it's actually more than double the cost. It's a, a great location. The advantage is it's a great location. It's a train ride away and a small a train ride and a small cab ride away from Rome, about two hours south of Rome on the Bay of Naples. So it's in a decent location in a delightful area. I like Gaeta. Now, fortunately for me, I have history. I know the area. I've been there. I've wintered there before. So I know exactly what the marina is like, and I know the competency of the boatyard, and there's nothing wrong with the competency of the boatyard and the services of the boatyard. It's just the price. It's really just the price. Also, I've been to Dubrovnik. I've wintered in Dubrovnik two years and the competency is good. Again, it's more expensive than Turkey, uh, but it's a possibility. And I understand there's a new marina just north of Dubrovnik, which Jack told me about, that may have hard standing area that I might want to go there with. Now, the advantage of going to Dubrovnik versus, let's say, Gaeta, Italy, or Sicily, Italy, is I can start the clock over by just uh, going down to Montenegro, because Montenegro is not part of the EU. So I can drop into Montenegro which is a delightful country. I love Montenegro. And start the clock over uh, because it's not part of the EU. Uh, in Sicily, southern Sicily, I would have to go down to Tunisia to start the clock over. I used to be able to go to Malta, but now Malta's been gobbled up by the EU, so it's no longer out of the EU. So I would have to go to Tunisia. I'm not as comfortable going to Tunisia as I am going into Montenegro. So when I'm laying out my summer sailing schedule, I'm going to be laying it out in three different alternatives. 
and probably in about a month, I will make a final decision on what I'm going to do. So I lay it out by setting up a spreadsheet, an Excel spreadsheet, and I put in the day I leave and the day I return, my, my flight out and my return flight. And then all the days in between, I number them, and I put the date in there and the day of the week in there. And then I, I have a task for that particular day. So I'm going to stop this and open up my spreadsheet and tell you what I've been doing so far. And I just started this process on Friday and today's Sunday. I didn't do anything else until today. So I'll just go over my process of, of filling in that time frame. So now I've got basically seven, a little less than seven weeks to fill up with sailing schedule and what I do. So this year I'm looking at my early schedule and I don't know how long I'm going to be on the hard getting the boat ready. So when I arrive in Bodrum, I want it to be during the work week and not on a weekend so I can get to work on it immediately. So I have to plan my departure time so that I arrive on a Monday or Tuesday. So my flight out will probably be on a Friday and I will arrive in Istanbul on a Saturday, spend the night in Istanbul and then fly down to Bodrum on Sunday and I'll get the boat uncovered and start a little work on the boat on Sunday but what I will want to do is prearrange so that my sailmaker arrives with the sails on Monday and I can also get my carpenter working with me on Monday. So there's one, two, three, four days to get to the boat and get ready before I can really start doing work on the boat. Now, once Monday arrives and I've got my boat right working on the woodwork on the boat, there's not much else for me to do other than get the boat ready. There's a few little odds and ends, but the boat was left in pretty good shape when I left it. One thing I'm worried about, I'm worried about a diesel leak. And when I go back to the boat, I'm going to be checking into the bilge immediately. And if there's diesel in the bilge, then I know I've got a leak in my one and only fuel tank. And if that's the case, then I'm going to have to arrange for the boat yard to pull out my old fuel tank and put in a new fuel tank. And I'm not sure how long that's going to take. But I'm assuming at this point in time that I will have the woodwork done and all the other work on the boat done in about five days from when I start to work on the boat. So it won't be until day 11 that I will probably launch my boat. Remember, day one is a day I leave and get on my plane from the United States to fly over. And day 11 is going to be the day that I splash the boat and my first crew arrives and we start sailing. Now, this is the problem you have when you don't have perfect knowledge. I don't know exactly if the boatyard is going to be able to do everything I want it to do in the time period I'm allotting or not. So I have to give the first boat crew a bit of a caveat. Hey, you can come over early with me and work on the boat. And uh, if we have some time, we're going to rent a car and go drive around and see some of the sites. I've seen most of them at this point in time, but I may want to take them and show them to them. We go up to Milas, we go up to Ephesus, we might just hop on a plane and fly over to Cappadocia and spend some time over in Cappadocia. It's easy to move around Turkey on the 
on the commuter flights. And that would give us four days of traveling inside Turkey. I don't like to waste time. If I'm, if I, if I'm in a boatyard and I don't have anything to do, I go crazy. So I will get on a plane, go somewhere, get on a bus, go somewhere, rent a car and go somewhere. And quite often those have been some of the most enjoyable parts of the summer because those are unexpected trips and they've always turned out great. So I may actually have my first crew come over with me when I fly over. But these are going to have to be people that I, I like, that know how to work, that will help me get the boat ready, and know of the uncertainties of that first couple of weeks on the boat. We don't know if we will even get the boat in the water while they're there. So they have to be flexible. So the first crew is going to be a work crew. And for that reason, I always give them a little extra time on the boat than my other crews. So I will have these people on my boat for my predicted splash of the boat for six days on the boat. And then after that, it's always going to be five days. Because I don't know if people are going to want to be hanging around me for much more than five days and vice versa. Quite often I have strangers that I've never sailed with join me. Uh, A lot of times when I have people sail with me, they don't have any sailing experience. I sail the boat myself, and this is just an experience for them. And I like that. I like to take people that haven't sailed out with me. So I'm assuming that I won't splash the boat until day 11. All right. So I know on day 11 that I'm not going to be wanting to hang around Turkey. I'm going to want to clear out of Turkey and sail over to the island of Kosh, K-O-S again, and clear in. So I'll, that whole day, and it's only 10.5 nautical miles to get over to Kosh. So I'll sail over to Kosh, tie up in the big main marina in town, and I want to do that because it's easy to clear customs there, and it's where you want to be. It's where the action is. And then clear into Greece. So that's pretty much going to shoot the first full day. Not that far sailing, about 2.1 hours, because on my spreadsheet I have uh, the day number. So in this case, it would be day number 11, the date. And in this case, tentatively, that would be July 24th. That's a Monday. I don't want to go over to Kosh on a Sunday, so I need to make sure I clear into Greece on a regular work day. So I don't want to try to go over a day early, so forget about splashing the boat a day early. There's no reason to do that. I'll clear customs, so so it's depart from Bodrum, arrive in Kosh, distance 10.5 miles, estimated time at 5 knots, 2 hours. And now this starts day 1 of my crew. So in the next column I have the number of days that that crew is going to be with me. All right, I know where I'm going to be going this first part of the trip. And I'm just going to walk you through this. On day two, I sail from Kosh to Niseros, which is an island I've been to twice before now, and it's rapidly turning out to be one of my favorite islands to visit. There's a great little marina down there that doesn't charge anything. I've rented scooters both times I've been there, and it's a delight to drive around this island on scooters. There's a caldera, and it's always fun to go down there. There's some mountain villages Wow. We've got some pictures that uh, when Jack and Neil joined me from this island, and I think that was, at least for me, the one of the highlights of the trip. I always like this little island, Niseros. 
So we'll go down there. So that day is going to be 22 and a half nautical miles. So that's going to be about four and a half hours. And I don't want to just get up the next morning and disappear. I want to give my crew, which will probably be a new crew, time to enjoy this island. And we don't have to. See, at this point in time, I'm planning on having a lay day on day number three with the crew. And that means we'll stay in Niseros and rent scooters, go drive around. But we don't have to. But I'm building that into the schedule. It could also be a bad weather day because I don't know what the weather's going to be. And the other thing I have to always tell my crew about is I can't predict the weather. We may be port bound for three or four days. And if that's the case, they may be getting off the boat in a place they hadn't planned on and catching a ferry to get over where they needed to go. In this case, I'm going to say, okay, you're going to join me on the boat. And this is jumping ahead. You're going to join me on the boat in Bodrum, Turkey, and you are going to depart the boat on the island of Santorini. Now, we'll get there in the next couple minutes. So we have one lay day on Niseros. The next day, we're going to sail from Niseros to over to Ostapalea. And this is going to be the longest hop of the week with this crew. This is 40 nautical miles. And so that's going to be approximately eight hours, assuming we're going five knots. So on this day, I will get up very early and start motoring towards Ostapalea. If the wind comes up, it's going to be mostly a broad reach, and most likely the wind will come up. But I want to get out there and make a good distance across before the wind starts to rise. If if the Meltimis are blowing, the wind may be blowing immediately as I leave. And if that's the case, most likely it'll be a broad reach or maybe a slight beat. But it's pretty much due west of Niseros to get to Ostapalea. So we'll head over to Ostapalea, tie up at Ostapalea, the main town harbor. And again, I've been here, so I know where I'm going. And and if the harbor's full, I know where else I'm going to go. I've done this before. So all this is pretty much rote for me. So there's eight hours. We'll stay one night in Ostapalea. The Ostapalea you could also have a lay day on because it's a big island. But I didn't enjoy riding around this island as much as I enjoyed riding around Niseros on scooters. So if I have a choice, I'll choose Niseros over Ostapalea just to rent scooters and ride around. So I'm not giving myself a lay day in Ostapalea. Ostapalea, the next day, we're going to head over to another island called Analfi. And it's 34 miles, so that's about 6.8 hours of time. And this is day number five for this crew. Now, At Analfi, I'll probably want to rent scooters because the core is quite a ways up the hill, and there's really not much to see at the the, uh, little place where we tie up. Now, if the wind is blowing out of the south, I'm going to have to change my schedule because this is not a good place to be if the wind's out of the south. But if the prevailing winds are out of the north, where I'm going to be going on the island of Analfi is on the south coast of Analfi, and there's an anchorage there. And the last time I was at Analfi, I found a mooring, and I doubt it's still there, but I'll be hopping into my swimming suit, putting on my mask and snorkel, and seeing if I can find a mooring that I can tie off to. Otherwise, I don't feel that comfortable just anchoring there and leaving the boat. But on the seabed at Analfi, there are a bunch of big concrete blocks, and a lot of them don't have any any buoys tied to them. So if I can go down and find a concrete block and tie off to one of these concrete blocks, 
with my chain or a line, then I feel comfortable just leaving my boat there and renting a scooter and riding around the island, which is what I did the last time with uh, Nick and Yvonne when they sailed with me there. So I've been to Anolfi one time before, and I thought it was a delightful island. I enjoyed it. It is an island that is totally off the tourist track. You've got to want to go there. It's not very crowded. It's really a delightful island if you want to get away from the tourists. So that's going to be day number five. And then on the final day, we're going to take a quick hop over to Santorini. Now, everybody wants to go to Santorini. I've been there multiple times. It's spectacular. Uh, I don't want to sound jaded. It's spectacular. Every tourist that ever wants to go to Greece wants to go to Santorini. And for that reason, you have a lot of tourists there. And and it's it's an easy spot for you to change crews because there's a lot of flights that come in and out of Santorini. So you can catch a flight from Athens to Santorini very easily as long as you plan ahead because in the summer, these flights fill up. And if you can't get a flight, then the people are going to need to catch a ferry to get over to Santorini. So that's where my crew is going to depart. So my crew is going to leave me in Santorini. On, uh, and the, so their last night is going to be the night of uh, their sixth night. The next morning, I expect them to get off the boat, and I'm going to have a lay day. I'm not going to go anywhere, so that will give me a chance to uh, stock up on groceries it will give me a chance to do the laundry, and I have two lay days in Santorini, and my next crew will arrive uh, the day after that. So this is now coming into day 18 of the trip. And so on this crew, I'm thinking farther ahead on this crew, I don't want them to be with me as long. Now I'm going to start limiting them to five days at a time and giving myself a little time in between. So on this crew, they'll join me in Santorini, the first day from Santorini, we'll sail from Santorini to Sykonos, which is an island I haven't been to. Now, let me talk about how I'm planning my route out. I'm using primarily two references. Number one is Google Earth. On Google Earth, you can lay in a path and lay it out in nautical miles, and you can zoom in and see what the harbor looks like. So Google Earth is an absolutely fantastic resource for planning your route. And so as I'm doing this, I'm laying in paths on Google Earth so I can see the distances that I'll be traveling that day. Now, number two is a reference that every sailor in Greece has, English-speaking sailor, I should say, and even German sailors have this as well. It's called Greek Waters Pilot by Rod Heikel, H-E-I-K-E-L-L. And I should try to get him on the podcast at some point in time because it's, a, it's the Bible for me when I'm sailing in Greece. And he's got, he's got the entire Greek waters broken into several different sections. And he has a description of the anchorages you might choose, the marinas you might choose, and little charts of each one to give you a reference on where you're going to be going. So now that I have Google Earth, I will take the information on Rod Heichel's Greek Water Pilot and then zoom in on Google Earth and get a better idea of what I'm looking at. So those are the two resources I use as well as just common sense. Knowing the weather patterns in the summer, the winds are going to be predominantly out of the north, northeast, or northwest, very rarely out of the south, unless you're very early in the summer. 
in May, you could get southerlies. It's pretty common to have southerlies in May. But June, they switched to northerlies. July, August, almost entirely northerlies. So I'm not expecting any southerlies. So I, I'm planning my trip assuming the winds are going to be out of the north, northeast, or northwest, which are the Meltimi winds that blow in the summer. Now let's look at my research now on Sykonos. I've never been to the island before, so I zoomed in on Google Earth, and there's a nice little protected harbor there, which is protected from the north. But I haven't read anything about it. I did a Google search on it, didn't really give me much information. So my next step is to look at the Greek water pilot and see what it says. So this is what Rod Heichel says about Sykonos. The only harbor on Sykonos is situated three miles southwest of A.K. Malton. I think that's the point, Malta. The buildings around the bay are conspicuous from the south, but not from the east. There is a light on the east side of the bay, and it gives the flashing signal, and a short mole. The mole and the quaid area on the west side of the bay have been extended, and there is room under the stubby mole to go alongside with an anchor out to hold the yacht off the quay. So that means you're going to need to drop your anchor off and then come up to the, I said quay, I've been corrected, that's key. I wish they'd just spell it key instead of Q-U-A-Y, which to me says quay. Anyway, local boats use the keyed area north of the stub mole. Alternatively, anchor off in three to five meters of depth. Good shelter from the Meltimi, although there are strong gusts open to the south. Some provisions available and tavernas ashore. The small village around the bay is most attractive and popular with Greek tourists. So this will be my first time visiting this. Also, he's got a little chart in the book, which pretty much describes what we just talked about and shows where you might lay an anchor and tie side to the key. My gut feel is I'll probably go ahead and anchor, but we'll see when I get there. I'll anchor and then take the dinghy back and forth. But a lot of these, (laughs) and I've discovered over the years that A lot of these little marinas like this, they've extended the keys out quite a bit to add more space for other boats. So we'll see when I get there. You can always make something work. So then for the rest of this crew, we're going to go from Sykonos over to Kimolos, which is another island I've never been to. So let me talk about this. From Santorini to Sykonos is going to be 28 nautical miles which would be about 5.6 miles. Now, understand that's probably going to be closer to 6, 7, or 8 hours because it's primarily due north. Now, getting up to this island may be a little problematic because we're on the south side of Santorini, and we have to go all the way along the south side of Santorini, and I will want to go through the caldera because it's spectacular sailing through the caldera on Santorini. I'm assuming my crew will have already looked down into the caldera the night before from the mountains that surround it. And so this will be spectacular sailing up through the caldera and coming out the north end of the caldera. And then it's pretty much a north-northwest beat all the way up to Sykonos. So while it's only 28 miles and in theory 5.6 hours at five knots it could be five six seven eight nine hours or the Maltimis may be blowing so hard that we can't get there and if that's the case about the only thing I can do 
is either head over to EOS, because there's an acreage on the south side of the EOS, which may be a possibility, or turn around and come back to the harbor at Santorini, because there's really no anchorages on Santorini. There's only a harbor at Santorini. This is knowledge that I have from sailing here before. So knowing this, depending on what the weather is like, we may or may not be able to make it to Sikonos. But that's the plan. And then the next day from Sikonos, we'll sail over to Kimolos, which I have not been to before. So I'll do my research on Kimolos, just like I did it on Sikonos. And I'm not going to bore you with what I found out about Kimolos. Now from Sikonos to Kimolos is going to be 32 nautical miles. If the weather is blowing in Meltimi, it may be a bit of a beat, uh, or it may be a broad reach, depending on the direction of the winds. If it's northwest, it'll be a beat. If it's northeast, then it may be a broad reach. But that's 32 nautical miles, and there are bailout places between the two that I could go to if I need to. Uh, Assuming everything is right, that's going to be 6.4 hours. And then the next day, we're going to go from Kimolos to Milos. And I've been to Milos a long time ago, but this will be the first time since I actually chartered a boat that I've sailed my own boat into Milos. And Milos is going to be the end of the trip for this crew, but we've given ourselves a lay day. So we will probably rent a car when we arrive at Milos. There's a core at the top of the mountain that's spectacular you want to go visit. So we'll want to rent a, a vehicle and drive around. Either that or scooters and drive around. I've done it both ways. And then the crew leaves. So the crew will leave on day five. And then that'll be a lay day for me to do laundry and stock up on food. Now let's talk about food. Because when I have a crew on board, what I try to plan is basically have enough food on the boat that if we were stuck at an anchorage for a couple nights, we would have some something we could cook up. And in fact, I got feedback from one of my guests one time. Their favorite night on the boat was when we didn't come into one of the marinas, when we ended up being at anchor away from any little town and ended up cooking the evening, cooking the food that evening, going swimming off the boat, having a few drinks, and uh, really they felt like that was the best time for them. I assume most of my crew like to get off the boat and go eat at the taverna, which gives them a a feel for Greece. But it's really what my guests want to do. I'll try to make an an experience that they they find valuable and interesting to them. So me, I'd just soon anchor out and cook up. I get tired of Greek food at the end of the summer. I really get tired of Greek food. I look for Chinese restaurants or anything else I can do to to, uh, change the, uh, the diet or cook myself. So I don't really have, you know, a desire to go to Tavernas every night. But again, I'm there for two months, and these people are there for five or six days. My guests are there for five or six days. Now, I always tell my guests, arrive early, travel around, and stay late and travel around. You don't need to just come over, sail with me, and go home. Make it worth your while. So my crew gets off on Milos. And then my next crew will arrive on Milos. And that's where I am at this point in time. So I'm going to continue planning the trip. Now, my original intention for this summer was to sail around the Peloponnese Peninsula 
uh, go up and go by Patra, Greece, and go through the Gulf of Corinth and through the Corinth Canal, well, and, and then back to Turkey. So at this point in time, I'm continuing that, assuming that I don't want to really go more than 30 miles a day if I don't have to, and then plan out my hops uh, really as I have to go and looking for interesting places to stay. Now, from Milos, it's going to be a long hop to get over to the Peloponnese Peninsula. And I'm going to start measuring that right now and walk you through as I'm making these decisions. All right, after doing just a little bit more research into my intended route versus the reality, I've decided to change the route if I go this direction. And this was really simple. I just went to the Greek Waters Pilot and went to what Ride Heichel wrote about sailing around the Peloponnese Peninsula. And let me read this to you. The routes around the Peloponnese are pretty much a matter of following the coast around from Catacolin to Cape Malia. The prevailing winds northwest to west will give you a sleigh ride from the Ionians to the Aegean, whereas coming from the Aegean generally means a slog against the wind. All right, I'm not going to go around the Peloponnese clockwise. If I do it, it's going to be counterclockwise. So at Milos, I'm changing my route. I'm not going to head over to the Peloponnese at this point in time. So now I've got to decide which direction I'm going to go. So looking at Rod Heichel's charts, it does not look like there's really any marinas, harbors, or anchorages along the eastern side of the Peloponnese Peninsula until you get up to Hydra or Pasara. So I will start changing my route to start heading north back up through the islands again. So I've been thinking about this route, and I've decided since it does not make sense to go over around the Peloponnese in a counterclockwise direction, if I'm going to be coming back to Turkey at the end of the summer, it doesn't make much sense to go through the Corinth Canal over to the Ionians and then turn around and come back. So at this point in time, I've decided that I'm just going to start heading north through the islands and see how far north I can get and come back to Bodrum in my two-month period of time. And one other thing I wanted to say about food on the boat. I always try to have uh, a lot of Greek yogurt on the boat, uh, some cereal, uh, some sandwich meats, uh, either canned sandwich meats such as tuna or, uh, or corned beef or something along those lines. Or I always try to have some corn and cucumbers on the boat, lots of potatoes on the boat. I always have a lot of pasta on the boat and pasta sauces. These are things that I can store uh, in most cases, without refrigeration. And so we will usually have uh, a bakery item if we're at a port for breakfast, some coffee, and then maybe uh, a salad, a cucumber, tuna, corn salad for lunch uh, with lots of bread. And then for supper, we plan on going out unless we're at an anchorage, in, in which case we'll have to plan for a meal on the boat that night. Also, you need to have lots of beverages, I don't like to buy bottled water because I think it's a waste of plastic and I don't think it does much good for the environment. I tend to filter my own water through a catadine filter. So we'll buy several bottles of water and then use the water from 
my water storage tank to refill those. And everybody will take turns pumping the water and filtering the water back into the bottles and using them. I just don't have the storage space on the boat to store pallets of water, quite honestly. Uh, Beer, we can always find room for beer, wine, gin, tonic, mixers, that sort of thing. We have lots of beverages on the boat, but I don't like to to really carry excess bottles of water on the boat. A few is fine, but I like to filter my water myself, and it tastes just fine once you use the filter on the water. I've been doing that for years. It saves space on the boat, and it saves money. So I'm going to start routing out where I'm going to be going in a two-month period of time, basically staying in the Aegean, and I'll let you know what we come up with. Then I'm going to plan out a different route, And I'm not going to be talking about that on this episode, but I will be leaving Bodrum and heading over to Dubrovnik. And then another route where I'll be leaving Bodrum and then heading over to Sicily. So I'm going to have three different routes, and I will make my decision in a month or two as to which direction I'm going to go. But in the meantime, I will put together my routes and come up with my list of crew members that I will be inviting to go sailing with me this summer. It doesn't look like my family will be joining me, so I'll have lots of crew members, different crew members joining me throughout the summer. And like I say, first choice goes to my clients. They always get an opportunity to go sailing with me before friends do, except in a couple situations. The first crew is usually friends that are willing to work on the boat, and also the last crew is usually friends that are willing to work on the boat. But the crews in between are usually clients uh, first and then guests and in, in one situation, it was listeners to this show. That was when Neil and Jack joined me, and that was a great experience, so I may want to repeat that again. Or if I get the right people that support me on Patreon, there will be an invitation to go out to those people that choose to support me at that level on Patreon. One of the things as I've been planning out my route that I have to keep in mind is when my crew arrives and leaves, there has to be a way for them to find uh, connections to the boat. And I've had to change a lot of the locations that I'd like to visit to a different location in order to get ferry service or air service. Well, I finished up my route, my first of three different routes for this summer, and it looks pretty good. Basically, what I will do is I will work my way through the Kiklatis Islands as far south as Milos. At Milos, I start working my way north, and our first stop will be the island of Seraphos, and then to Syros, and then to Tinos, and then to Andros. And so my crew, my second crew leaves me at Milos, and my third crew arrives at Milos and gets off in Andros, on the island of Andros. My next crew joins me in Andros and gets off in Skyros. So that will be the first sporadic islands that we visit. And the only one, the only one of the sporadies other than Evia. So we'll be working our way from Andros north all the way up to Skyros, or Skyros, however you want to pronounce that. Then my next crew joins me in Skyros, which has both uh, ferry service and air service. And that was one of the reasons I chose Skyros. And then we start working our way south, and they will leave me in Chios. My next crew joins me in Chios, 
and gets off on Patmos, and from Patmos they'll have to take a ferry to Piraeus. There's no, there is no air service on the island of Patmos. The next crew joins me at Patmos, and again they'll have to make connections by ferry to get to Patmos, and they will be the final crew that I have in the summer. And that one probably will be a crew of, of friends because they will be with me pretty much until I put up the boat and fly back. So that crew will actually be with me uh, for about eight days, where all the other crews, I limit them to five nights on the boat. So that's pretty much my first of three potential itineraries for this summer. All in all, let's count up the number of miles that I'll be traveling. All right, I just added up the number of miles, give or take 20 or 30 miles. It adds up to about 712 miles for the approximate um, seven weeks of sailing in the Aegean. So that covers a lot of territory. Now, I hope this has been somewhat useful to you. I know Mora wrote me a letter saying how far could they go in a couple of months. Well, this is my first stab at the summer sail. Now, there's a few days that I'm going longer than 30 miles, but they're downwind sails. The longest leg of the trip is from Skyros to Pasara, and I've done that once already, and it's a nice downwind run, so I don't really worry about that. That's 66 nautical miles. Now, this is all in nautical miles. And uh, that's my first. Now, I'll do the same thing But instead of coming back to Bodrum, back to Turkey, I will head in one route, I will head to Sicily, and in the other route, I will head up to uh, Dubrovnik area. And then I'll come up with different schedules for each. But it's, it's taken me approximately probably a good four hours to come up with this schedule for the summer, for this first stab. And, and it gives me a lot of variety in the summer sail. I cover pretty much the entire Kikladis Islands, not every island in the Kikladis Islands, but from the southern end of the Kikladis, uh, which I think is Milos, all the way up to the northern end, which is Andros, and then we hop over into the Sporotic Islands. And the only real Sporotic Island I hit, uh, well, there's two of them. There's Evia and, and Skyros. So anyway, if you have any comments, thoughts, suggestions, get a hold of me. I like getting letters from my listeners, franz1 at medsailor.com. If you have suggestions for future episodes, get a hold of me. Consider supporting me on Patreon. Get out there and go sailing. Thanks for listening. Joel, you want to know something? What? Every now and then, say what the f***. What the f***? gives you freedom. Freedom brings opportunity. Opportunity makes your future.